Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Craig. Hello. Dave. Hello. And Tori. Hello, Internet. And we start every week with good thing. Craig has assured me that he has one ready to go and will not stall at all before starting. Craig, what's up? I have a literal list, but today I will pick one. Um, and I'm glad Dave's here because I wanted him to hear my... Listen to all the stalling. Okay, thanks, Dave. I'm uh, glad So I'm there was a couple too. I had last week, um, and I picked one that I was playing at the time. This week, uh, I would like to recommend a book series, specifically a book that I started reading, recommended from a friend called Sufficiently Advanced Magic. Um, it's book one of a series uh, in which I'm reading the second book of, and there's only two right now, written by Andrew Rowe. And it's sort of like a rational version of D&D, I guess, sort of. Um, D20 I've- Modern? The guy who recommended to me, my friend, he, Cthulhu? he said it was like a Sanderson-type magic system i wouldn't quite go that far but it is very scientific sciencey uh which is nice but it is a magic system you have different types of spellcasters who can get different things you have people who can enchant uh objects you have elementalists that throw out fireballs and stuff like that you got summoners you have all these different classifications but it describes how these things work this is a uh, novel or a player's handbook it's a book those are both different types of books. Yeah, well, it's a fiction book that you read for enjoyment and you don't play games with. That's called a novel. Yes. <laughs> okay. So uh, it's it's pretty good. I, I definitely recommend it. I, I had trouble putting it down when I started reading a couple weeks ago. And like I, said, I should say a novel is specifically narrative. It could be a fictional reference book. And I think you guys in particular would enjoy it. And I think the listeners who are in Sanderson might also enjoy something like that. And the name and author one more time, please. Sufficiently Advanced Magic by Andrew Rowe. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, Dave, what's your good thing this week? My good thing this week is Steven's Sausage Roll. It's a puzzle (laughs) game. I was watching you play that. It's a puzzle game. It's like the type of game where you push stuff around, but the... Okay, the reason I played it is because... Actually, the one that recommended it to me was the creator of Baba Is You, and he said it was one of the games that inspired that game. That's my favorite puzzle game, Baba Is You. So I tried it. What else went on sale this week? I tried it out, and you just push these sausages along onto these grills, and you have to cook each side exactly once. You can't knock them into the ocean, and you can't burn them. Uh, you can only move forward <laughs> and on, backward. Because knocking sausage <laughs> in the ocean is definitely a thing you want to avoid in life. It's just a little slimy. It's still good. It's still good. But the mechanics are kind of difficult to understand, but that's kind of where the puzzle comes into play, too. Like, you can't turn without swinging your fork around until, like, I actually just found out that you can drop your fork uh, if you fall in a specific way, so... It, and that's the other thing. You always kind of accidentally find new mechanics before you need to use them. And you're like, 
uh oh, when am I gonna have to actually use this this strange mechanic that I don't understand yet? But yeah, it's it's difficult to understand the mechanics, but that's the the puzzles use them so that you have to learn, you have to have to kind of figure out the weird mechanics in order to progress. It's really hard. <laughs> it's it's not for the faint of sausage. <laughs> Good job fitting that in. All right, and the name of that game one more time, please. Steven's Sausage Roll, and that's Steven with a PH. Excellent, thank you. Uh, so my good thing this week is my very favorite romantic comedy movie of all time. Any guesses? Ghostbusters. Princess Bride. No and no. Tori, do you have a bad guess? Whoa, a romantic whoa. comedy? Mm. How is Princess Bride a bad guess? You it's like adventure movie. It's an action-adventure movie. Oh, that's true. Comedy. But it is about Chris. romance. No, it really isn't. Yes, it is. True love. There is no romance developed. It it just stated. Yeah. But anyway, Tori mm-hmm. was going to make a bad guess. Stardust? That's, that's a, good a good one. one too. That, that that's is a good one, one, but it is not my favorite. And that's more of a fantasy movie. Yeah, uh, well, you apparently have weird definitions of genres, so I was just throwing <laughs> something out there and see if it sticks. That's true. Very favorite romantic comedy movie is the 1998 Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan tour de force You've Got Mail. Wait, really? Aw, that's a cute one. It's so good. It is? It's the plot of Sleepless in Seattle, but instead of a dead wife and being depressing, it's got Steve Zahn and comedy. Sleepless, sleep, sleepless in Sea Spammel is more like it. Nailed it. Spam Adel? <laughs> uh, and it's, uh, who is echoing me? Not me. My mic was closed. Anyway, um, I had something. It's gone. You're talking, on. telling us about Sleepless in Seattle? No, I was telling us about You've Got Mail, which is just, just a delightful film. It's really good. Tom Hanks is, I think, like, peak Tom Hanks charming in that movie. And Meg Ryan is never not charming. So, yeah, it's good stuff. More I mean, than I the agree. Green Mile? Tom Hanks is quite charming, but I don't remember really liking that movie. I don't I don't remember disliking it. I just, it was forgotten. I don't remember ever seeing it. Well, you should both give it a shot. So, yeah. Sleepless, not sleepless in Seattle. Dang it, Dave. <laughs> You've got mail. Uh, Tori, what's your good thing this week? Uh, so you were telling okay. us about a concert series. Yes, my good thing is a concert series called Video Games Live. Oh, that's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you like all the good concert stuff. I know, I know. Uh, so I just went to Video Games Live uh, for my fourth time last night. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, video game composer Tommy Tallarico who has years and years of experience and has done lots of games, um, started a concert series like 17 years ago uh, where he takes a full symphony orchestra and they do video game soundtracks live on stage. And uh, so Tommy is the host and he plays electric guitar and uh, it's super fun and lots of energy. And they always have... um, scenes from the games playing on a giant screen behind the stage and they synchronize it with a light show and anyway it's loads of fun and uh so that was my fourth time going and um 
fun fact, they did a PBS special, which you guys can look that up and watch it if you want to learn more about the concert. And if you want to actually see the concert in action, you can watch it on the PBS special. But uh, Matt and I were at that show where they filmed the special and um, there, there's a split second in the middle where you can see us in the audience. I, I won't tell you exactly where because I don't know off the top of my head, but um, yeah, fun. Agreed. Cool. It is pretty good. And the name of that one more time. Video Games Live. Cool. Uh, all right, Dave, uh, I had you read way more than normal this week. Yes. So you want to tell us about that? Sure. Are we going to do a good things break in the middle? Uh, okay, I wasn't look, planning on it. I'm not prepared for that. I only have one good thing today. You said you have a list. I guess a list of one is still technically a list. Uh, what I was thinking of doing was uh, maybe splitting this up just in uh, non-spoiler and then have like a whole spoiler episode. Okay. So uh, we read chapters 24 through 30 of Brandon Sanderson's Warheads and Jawbreakers. He must have eaten a lot of candy. Maybe he wrote it around Halloween. Alright. Chapter 24. Siri goes to the library. Trelides doesn't let Siri check out any book. Siri should not anger the press. Susabran has you been... spell that correctly? Siri should not anger the press. Yeah. That's what Susabran wrote. It's true. I wonder how he writes his own name. He's getting better, though. Usebrin has been ruling for 50 years. Siri doesn't understand the difference between sarcasm and irony. God King doesn't know how Babby is formed. Biochroma slows age. God Kings can give breath cure many diseases. And that's the end of chapter 24. All right. Sounds good. Chapter 25. Chapter 24 and a no, half. No, give us a real summary. Yeah. Siri goes to the library. She's hoping to check out some books so that she can take them to her husband so he can read them in secret. But the librarian priests will only let her read the books in their presence and not check them out. And because you'll notice at no point in that conversation did she actually apply for a library card. So that's probably what the problem was. Oh, yeah. Why didn't they think of library card does she have any way of confirming her address though right because <laughs> she is, she's definitely from out of town she lives upstairs they only have her word for that they have her bedroom to and look at this is where i sleep that, that was it i wanted to add that in well no when you or when your books are overdue tori gets to go to an escape room <laughs> it pays for her escape room yeah okay. Uh, yeah, so they won't let her take any books out because she doesn't have a library card, and she doesn't want them looking over her shoulder to see what she's reading either, so she's going to have to pry some other way, and she goes back to God King and tells him about it, and he's now, like, writing on a whiteboard to to converse with her, and he says, you should not anger the press. And apparently Susebrin's been ruling for 50 years, and I was just trying to do some math here. So if he gets at least two per week, and he says sometimes he's been getting three or four per week, so let's say on average he gets three per week, in a year that's 150 breaths times 50 years is 
7,500 breaths plus the ones that were presumably transferred down to him from his father. So that's a lot of breaths. That is a lot of breath. And okay, so, so uh, Siri is kind of joking around with her husband. Hang, hang on, hang on one second. Oh, go on. You did math. Yeah. And your final result was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> 7,500, which yeah, is a it, lot. It's troll math. One, two, many, lots. I said 7,500, didn't I? Or did I just type it into my calculator and not read it out loud? No, you, you said 7,500, and then you added dad breaths and got a lot. I don't know how many he got from his dad. And to put it in perspective, the back of the book tells us that 5,000 breaths gets you to the seventh lightning. That's not what my book says. My book says a powerful standalone tale of unpredictable loyalties, dark intrigue, <laughs> and dangerous magic. No. In the Ars Arcanum, in the in the, and the part I'm section. not allowed to read. You're not allowed to read that. I thought you were. Depends. Yeah, I guess. I'm allowed to read it when Mike says I'm allowed to read it. However, the heightenings are exponential, so it's not really a great indication. You'll get there when you the get there. What do you mean by they're exponential? It's ridiculous a lot. It increases by a lot each time for each heightening. But not exponential in a strictly mathematical sense. Is there a formula to it? It's a uh... This is a geometric series, right? Is that what it is? I'm so trying to remember my math. So it's like 1, First 11, 111. Second heightening is 200. Third heightening is 600. So it goes up from 150 difference to 400 difference. Although the fourth heightening is also 1,000, which is a 400 bit. This is not... And, oh, have fun with this. It's, it's not like 10, 20, 30, 40. It's like 10... A lot more than 10, and then a lot, lot more than 10. Yes. Uh, It's a lot, lot more series. Got it. Had to put it in troll math terms. (laughs) All right. So now Siri is kind of like, she's getting a little snarky with her husband, and he doesn't know. Sarcasm. See, okay, it is sarcasm. However, she, she defines it wrong. I'm yes. opening it up. Here's what she says. Uh, okay. Sarcasm. It's when you say one thing, but you really mean the opposite, which is the definition of irony, not sarcasm. I would also like to point out she's like an 18-year-old girl, and she doesn't so really So, like, everything her. is sarcastic to and her? doesn't pay attention to her studies, so what <laughs> she says isn't necessarily the truth. It's just I, how she understands it. I want to clarify this to our readers who might not understand the difference between sarcasm and irony. What Siri is saying, say, when you say something to imply its opposite, that is called irony. Specifically, it's called verbal irony. It's one of three forms of irony. Sarcasm is when you take a derisive or cutting tone. And sarcasm often includes irony, but they are two different things. And one should not confuse them. So compared to, let's say, Alanis Morissette, uh, what would you say <laughs> that, that Siri's understanding of irony is? Like, where where is she at? I don't know. She never even no. uses the word. See, the thing is, Al- Alanis Morissette's song has no irony in it, which in itself makes it irony. It's ironic that the song Ironic contains no irony. It, it's, Bam. it's ironic if she intended it that way. I think she, I guess it could be I guess it could be ironic either way. But. I've seen some like parodies and stuff she does. I think she knew what she was doing. 
I don't think she knew what she was doing at the time. I think she has since had it pointed out to her about a billion times, so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to look it up while we talk. So, yeah, one more time. Sarcasm is when you make a derisive or abrasive tone or intention. Irony is saying one thing in order to imply the opposite. Bender got it wrong, too. I'm actually kind of mad about this. And the uh, season three finale of Futurama, when the devil, quote, takes Leela's hand, dot, 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 in marriage. And then Bender says, the use of words means something beyond their literal intention. That's irony, which isn't exactly right. Irony is when you say something to imply the opposite. What the devil used in his contract with Leela was a more of a figure of speech or idiom. It wasn't really irony because he didn't say hand to imply foot or nose or whatever, whatever the opposite of hand is. So this is the hill that you die on. This is your decimate. <laughs> um, I, I conceded decimate already, although I will say that modern definitions of decimate just kind of caved and allowed misuse of it. Kind of like ignorant. But yeah, anyway, Siri mentions the word sarcasm and yet gives the definition for verbal irony. And just wanted to point that out. And of course, really want to spend this much time on the it. difference. <laughs> okay. Right, let's, we have a lot of chapters to get through, so let's continue. God King doesn't know how Babby is formed. Pretty self explanatory, I think. There's a oh, really informative video on this topic. I like that he thought it would just happen because they spent the yeah. same time in the <laughs> room. That's together. how it happens in his storybooks, right? And that's how he understands the world through the storybooks his mother wink, gave him. Wink, fade out, and that's all he knows. <laughs> yes. Wink, fade out is basically reality for Susebrin or how he perceives it. <laughs> and it's also mentioned that Biochroma slows age, but God King is a returned anyway, so I don't really know what if the Biochroma slowing the age is really that important in his case. Uh, we do well, actually. Remember, he does have extra breath. Yeah. And we do actually get more info on this in a later chapter. Uh, you, if somebody becomes a returned at a young age, they still grow to maturity and, you know, become an adult and just hit like adulthood and stay at that adulthood age. So, yeah. God King being a stillborn grew into an adult and then stayed. 22 or whatever in appearance okay and we also learned that god kings can apparently cure many diseases by giving away their breaths uh the other returned have their petitions every day and people trying to get them to give their breath away in order to sacrifice themselves to save their people but god king can apparently do so to save many many people and that's the end of chapter 24 cool neat chapter 25 chapter 25 Parlin has a monkey on his shoulder. Dent is also good at sneaking. The mercenaries cause a couple of accidents. I hope that's in quotes. Accident. Accidents. I heard it. Yep, we got it. <laughs> we, right. we get the joke. Jules would appreciate if Vivenna would stop talking. <laughs> Jules' breath was given to the God King. Make up a joke about salt. Oh. I think that was a note to myself. I was supposed to make up a joke about salt. Whoops. But I just left in make up a joke about salt. <laughs> I uh, feel like the lack of a joke is funnier than a joke would have been. 
Sleep is where Tonk Fa is a Viking. Who was Dent? All right, so Parlin has a monkey on his shoulder. I assume that was literal. I don't, don't remember if there's any significance to that. It was probably Tonk Fa's monkey. Yeah. All right, Dent okay. is also good at sneaking. Not only is he a good swordsmith, but he's good at sneaking. And now the mercenaries are continuing their plan to disrupt the kingdom and undermine Halandran's ability to go to war. And we get a scene where Jules and Vivenna are back at the home base. And, you know, Vivenna feels bad for Jules because she's a trap, but Jules feels honored that her breath was given to the God King. And Vivenna just doesn't understand Jules' worldview, but Jules wants her to shut up. And then, yeah, so, and and then Jules mentions that uh, she is part of Teteller in a way that few others are. And this is where I actually sat and crunched the numbers, and I'm like, few others? That's like 7,500 others. 7,500 people uh, hey, it's within the last 50 speaking. years. Yeah, so how what is the population of Teller? A lot. Okay. It could still it's few. And keep in mind it's it's seventy five hundred through the past fifty years. Yeah. Right? So it comes out to what did you say it was yearly? Like a hundred and fifty well, or so? Maybe you guess three per week, it's hundred and fifty per year, yeah. Right. So she is like maybe living at the time, people alive who are in the city. There's maybe a thousand of them. So, Craig, what you're you're one in a million, which means there's only seven thousand people in the world just like you. Thanks. That makes me feel <laughs> bad. But yeah, that's 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 it. Oh, whatever. All right, make up a joke about salt. I guess they robbed some salt guy. Yeah, it was uh, a salt merchant. Tonkfa's a Viking, and oh, I feel like there's an assault joke there somewhere. Can't quite nail it down, but the merchant. Were you just thinking about that this whole time? Maybe. <laughs> Alrighty. So Vivenna wants to know more about Dent and his backstory, but he ain't budging. He's just like, I'm a mercenary. That's all you need to know. And that's the end of chapter twenty-five. So they peppered the salt merchant. Nailed it. So I thought this chapter <laughs> was interesting yeah. because we get a little bit of a. A difference in the religions of Vivenna and Jules, and they have so, not really a discussion. Um, but Vivenna's attitude and how she comes across to Jules, because she, of course, looks down on her situation, saying like, "Oh, it's 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 a shame you had to sell, you were forced to sell," because like, she has a very negative view of breath and everything like that. And Jules is like, "What the heck? You don't understand me. Shut up!" Like it's it's great yeah. to see a different perspective here. That would be like saying to a Christian, sucks you have to go to church every week. <laughs> right. Something like that, yeah. And it's like you, you want to go because that's that's what you practice. Um, In an earlier annotations, um, I don't usually bring this up with you, Dave, but this one isn't really spoilery. He mentions how none of the main characters are a practicing Haladran. Like, sure, we have Light Song, who's a god, but he doesn't believe his own religion. So he doesn't really count. So All we right. have Jules here. To show what someone who is practicing uh, this religion, what her viewpoint would be, since we don't have a main character. Yeah, I like it. It's insightful. Yeah. But Vivenna does have a bit of a like a pretentiousness to her, and she does that need too. to be taken down a couple of slots because of her attitude. Moving on. 
Hey, I did. 26? I did the wonderful salt and pepper joke. So you, you know. did. I heard you say it. That is your contribution. Chapter twenty six. Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. Chapter twenty six. Late Song forgot to set his clock for daylight savings time. Nightblood dreams about red jaguars, green monkeys, and blue barracudas. Or rather, just a single red panther, but close enough. People pay to have their paintings read. R-E-D. <laughs> Hi, Nightblood. Mercy Star's Palace. It's a trap. Door. Gag reel. Black hand. Nutty is back, but won't be able to help with the case, even if the priests figure out his security phrase. All right. So wait, so, wait, wait, wait. I love this beginning part because Laomar's like, hey, do you want to talk about your dream? And Light Song's like, nope. Uh, if he had to do Shrine of the Silver Monkey, I'm sure it was a nightmare. Was that a temple of, what's the name of the show? Yeah, Legends of the Hidden Temple. Legends That's of the Hidden of, Temple. That's why he dreams about yep. red jaguars, green monkeys, purple parrots, orange iguanas. The Shrine of the Silver. Blue barracudas and silver snakes. Did you guys know that that show had like no budget so it was rigged so that it was impossible to win like 90 percent of the time and it worked like a charm you're just, saying there just were so more they didn't have to give away the, the prizes or like you know, people were like were like funneled into the temple guards i've watched people try to put together the three-piece puzzle which should be super simple and they couldn't do it I don't think they had to try very hard to make sure people couldn't finish it. <laughs> well, I think that most of them were recorded before anyone had ever seen the puzzle. Like, you watch it as a kid, and you're like, oh, I have this figured out after seeing two or three episodes. That's the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, by the way. Yeah, I have this figured out. But yeah, they, but the kids that are in there, they've already done it before the first season even aired, you think, right? Yeah, but eventually they should know how it's done. I didn't know the game was rigged. That's pretty funny. It wouldn't be hard to rig it. You would either have to set the path so that it funnels you into the temple guards, or uh, you could have more than... Well, no, because if you had both pendants, then you should have had... Uh, you have enough lives to get through, even if you tank all the temple guards, if you have three pendants. If you have, bo if you have both pendants. Anyway, let's continue with the chapter. Okay. So anyway, we have a painting of some battle, and it's kind of like abstract arty, and but uh, Light Song sees that it's a battle before even hearing the title of the painting, and there's just like violence everywhere, and there's some figure who almost seemed to kind of resemble Blushweaver. Uh, holding up a sword that most definitely resembled Nightblood. And I actually drew my own picture of Nightblood this week, and I would love to share it with you guys. Oh, man. Uh, so we haven't had a good Dave art to me. update for this a while. This is a good I one. This is a this. really good one. Okay, I'm going to post it in Dave art and stuff, and Jet's also going to put it up on the stream. But So everyone sees it at once. Uh, boop, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I have to I have to do this. I have to put it on my screen. I'm happy that the squirrel got the acorn. That's not just any squirrel. Is that is the life of squirrel? It's Nutty. Or Al is his name Aloysius? Is that the name of the uh it's the, Oh oh it's yes, we named we named the squirrel. You you missed it. The squirrel well, you has should a have name. told me because I've already yeah. written this comic in steel. Oh no. It says, I'll get, oh, I'll get the acorn for you. Just unclasp my sheath. 
and then it's Nightblood, and the squirrel's gonna use Nightblood. Oh my gosh, and he killed everyone. <laughs> and oh, he killed everyone. That Nightblood. So silly. <laughs> what a guy. <laughs> and look at him just relaxing on the tree in the last panel. Like, I got the acorn down. <laughs> <laughs> Nightblood. I'll get the acorn for you and everyone else will die. (laughs) Oh, man. So, for those of you listening to the podcast, if you'd like to see this, you can take a look at our Discord, which can be found through our Patreon. You do not have to be a patron, but you can look at our Discord and all of Dave's art, because he has drawn multiple things, can be found there. And it's all really, really good. Like, is oh, it? I just I just scrolled yes. up. Seiza yes, in his bunny suit <laughs> yeah. is beautiful. <laughs> Bam, that's on stream now. <laughs> his electrum mine or whatever it is. Static electricium. So good. Alright, let's continue. Alright, so we have a painting that obviously is Nightblood fan art. And it's Light Song's favorite painting so far. I wonder why. Alright, so... Lightsong and crew head off to Mercy Star's palace because he wants to investigate the murder. And he finds the trap door, but he tries not to react to it or tell anyone about it because he is wondering if Mercy Star's priests are in on the thing. On, in on the, he doesn't, he doesn't want them to, they don't want him to find the trap door actually is what it is because there's some kind of secret down there, which is presumably why Vasher went down there to begin with. And Gagriel is the name of one of the priests who is, like, standing guard or something. And then the other guy's got a black hand because he got stabbed by Nightblood or sliced in the hand by Nightblood, turned his hand black. And then they find Nutty Aloysius. He's back. But even if they are able to crack his security phrase and uh, hack into him, he's a squirrel. Squirrels can't talk. Don't be silly. And that's the end of Chapter 26. So... Last episode, unfortunately, couldn't join us, but I think Mike had a question for you related to Light Song. I don't remember what my question was. So, Dave, what did you think Light Song's previous profession was? Oh, yes, I remember my question now. Okay, Mike, what was your question? The thing you just said. (laughs) Well, I thought that he was some kind of detective or investigator or city guard, but now that's what he thinks, so it's probably wrong. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) The characters are always wrong at first. I mean, is Demo a Chandra? None of them thought that. Oh, actually, that's not true. That just needs to be our new rhetorical question for all the things. (laughs) That's true. Is Demo a Chandra? Does the Pope fight bears in the woods? Well, so if that's the case, what do you think his previous profession was then? Or do you I'll not come, have a thought yet? I, I have a thought that will come up in a later chapter okay. today. Oh, we'll come okay. back to this in a couple minutes. All right, sounds good. Okay, chapter 27. Wait, we, did we... Fin- oh, yeah, he talked about the trapdoor. He talked about the squirrel. Okay. Uh, chapter 27. Bluefingers is avoiding Siri. Siri wants to attend the next sports ball match. Stupid sexy Olympians. Light Song is mostly harmless. If God King cures you of a bowel disease, does that give you holy crap? If he oh, doesn't God. cure you, you could die, Aria. Good thing those God Kings had heirs just in the nick of time. Scoot recommends ordering a storyteller. 
flight song privately warns Siri. All right, so Siri wakes up. She wants to talk to Blue Fingers and get some more information out of him, but he's been avoiding her. And so she has an idea. There was somebody that she met in the palace that was willing to talk to her, and she's hoping to see him at the arena. So she's like, when's the next sports ball match? Let's, we're going to the arena. And she's a little distracted by how scantily clad the muscular men are at the Olympics. Oh, official name of the game sport thing that they played is hockey ball. This isn't hockey ball, though. This is, this oh, right. Is just this is Olympics. Was, yeah. No, the, okay. yeah. Only the this is ja- this is literally like shot put, javelin, toss, high jump. Like this is actual just Olympics. Okay, my mistake. And just yeah. as a side note, Brandon did toy with them actually being naked while they performed, but he figured that would be a little too distracting for Siri. Well, that was thoughtful. All right, so she finally manages to avert her gaze from the dudes and goes to uh, Light Song's uh, pavilion, I guess. And she says she wants to talk to him. She's like, oh, maybe you can help me out. And this is where Light, Light Song is mostly harmless. So Light Song says, I'm useless. And then Siri says, that's not the word I heard used to describe you. I heard harmless. And then Light Song says later on, I assure you, I really am useless, mostly. So he's mostly harmless. <laughs> Shout out to Douglas Adams. I really appreciate Brandon sneaking that in there. All right. So apparently, <laughs> Severin's father gave up his breath to save a bunch of people from a bowel disease, thus giving them holy crap. He didn't want them to diarrhea. And. Yeah, so Siri finds it awfully suspicious that the heirs are within a month old every time a god king dies. And Scoot, or Larimar if you prefer, says, well, why don't you hire a storyteller and you can hear more about the histories. And Siri's uh, thinking that Susabrin's priests are corrupt and have their own agenda. They'll pick out a storyteller who will tell her what they want her to hear. So she says, Light Song, why don't you order me a storyteller? And Light Song's like, some other time, child. And then he's like, I'm going to talk to you privately and tell you that this is a dangerous game. Politics. Dun, dun, dun. And that's the end of chapter 27. Can confirm politics very dangerous. Chapter 28. Chapter 28. Vivena's work is gaining notoriety. Vivenna and Siri are basically Elsa and Anna, and I'm actually going to take time out. I'm going to go, like, sorry, so check this out. Elsa is the oldest daughter. She gets mysterious powers somehow, and through the training of her parents, decides not to use those powers and keeps them shut up. Anna, on the other hand, is more emotional, and she tries to marry a guy she just met. So that's it. They're basically Elsa and Anna. Also, they're from a mountain city in the <laughs> north that exports ice. This is where actually I, I started thinking about it. Keep so in mind, like, this was written before Frozen. Keep in mind, Frozen is based on an old fairy tale from hundreds of years ago. Yeah, but it's not anywhere like the movie. Are you I've making a case for Light Song to be a Disney princess? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm making a... He's Olaf. <laughs> okay but yeah, anyway never i never saw frozen about it don't plan to they talk about it's good it's 
I don't I don't think that it it's entertaining. It's it's good. Like it's it was really good in how it broke the status quo. But then it became kind of a sensation and went got a little out of hand. But it is it's good. Don't hold it against the movie. You can hold it against the sequel, probably. It's not out yet, but probably. Uh, but anyway, I started because they they export ice from Idris, which is what they do in Elsa and Anna's country. They like export ice. That's why I actually started drawing these conclusions. But think about it. Oh, also, also, Anna can't control the color of her hair, just like in Frozen. I mean. Siri can't control the color of her hair, just like Anna can't in first. Oh, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. Is that all your bullet points? No, I just wanted to break into that. Okay. A person from Halendren is called a Halendren. Denth says that everyone is the hero of their own story, except mercenaries. Forgers in your cup. Vivi gets totally jelly. No awakening for Vivenna. Right, so all the stuff Event is doing is starting to, words starting to get out, and uh, Denth recommends that Vivenna start acting more like a Halendren, which is the name of a denizen of Halendren. I would have thought they'd come up with a different word, but I guess not. I, can you guys think of any case where the, the name of a person from a place is the same as the name of the place? I feel like that does happen, but I, can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. Hmm. But I feel like I have heard of that. Maybe someone will come up with something, post it when the episode comes out. I couldn't think of any without trying, and I didn't try. All right, so Denth says that everyone's a hero of their own story. You know, everybody's, you know, he says, except for mercenaries. And that's why people don't like mercenaries, because they are, they're the honest ones who don't try to convince themselves that what they're doing is so high and lofty. So what Dent says here is that everyone's the hero of their own story. I really like that. And I I like, and I actually attribute this to Sanderson's writing style because he really considers that when he's writing his characters. If we look back at something like Mistborn, the Lord Ruler was a jerk, but we later found out he had certain motivations that he felt like he was doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, and Although Strasebrin seems nice, maybe he'll turn out to be a jerk. I mm. think, in general, if people were to write their own stories and keep that in mind, like you, you have a lot of people who write these stories and they have cookie cutter villains. Like, oh, we need a villain. They're just going to be like this. But when you actually think about, okay, everyone's the hero of their own story, and you're writing a villainous character, you can give them motivations that are appropriate and that actually helps them make a more thir- three-dimensional character except in the case really of two-thirds of the venture boys i don't think that we were ever supposed to sympathize with straff venture maybe zane i didn't but maybe we were supposed to but we definitely no, well, you don't weren't have supposed to sympathize. to sympathize you just have to understand their point of view okay i guess he's more of an anti-hero of his own story yeah, you don't just just writing someone's the hero of their own story doesn't mean you have to sympathize with every single character so much as you can understand that they have a perspective that makes sense for them, even if they are ultimately not really a good person. And that's how Denth feels. All right, next, uh, we, Vivi had her own bright idea to meet with some forgers to work on documents to send back to Idris. I think I kind of was zoning out at this part. I think I was. Like the no, last no, chapter no. I read they're, before they're going to, to bed last night. in court showing 
that there were um, blackmail letters written to Idris. What? Okay. The letters she asked them to forge are supposed to be blackmail letters that the priests uh, wrote to Idris. So you say Bryn's priests? Yes. Okay. Well, any of the the priests that work in the court. That's what it's supposed to show. And the forger totes knows that this is the princess of of uh, the princess of Idris, who's been rumored to be in town. I don't think he cares. I know. It just she, she it can just points her. out just points out the fact that she's not really good at hiding around the city. Yeah, she's she is not sneaky. All right, and then we have a scene where Vivi sees Jules and Parlin having a conversation off in the distance, and she gets a little jealous. But then Dent says, uh, he's like, uh, don't worry, she's otherwise occupied. I think she has a thing with Tonkfa, and yeah, maybe Vivi actually has a thing for Parlin, I don't know. But I bet you, I bet you, uh, you know, Jules actually converts Parlin to iridescent tones. Ology, anity, eology. So I've noticed there's a limit of how many chapters Dave can go for. He's totally fading. That's not true. I just read this particular chapter, like, right before going. I think it was actually right before work yesterday. I don't remember. Okay. All right. And Vivenna is like, man, these things are made from plants and animals that used to be alive. Just looking at random objects. And she's like. I want to give them life again. That's what they want. But then she says, no, I'm not going to do Awakenings. And that's the end of chapter 28. Okay. Chapter 29. Susebrin is terrible, mighty, awesome, deific, and sweet. And wants to meet Ostrich. But he doesn't understand that Ostrich is intangible. His idea of a god is more like the returned. Yeah. That's all he was. That's all he knows. Mm Mm-hmm. Red and green don't make violet. Euripides I Trilogies. That's the name of my Greek tailor. And <laughs> Mama Shahara. <laughs> Euripides I Fixities. Euripides I Trilogies. That's the name of the Greek tailor. <laughs> well, some people say Euripides Amenides, but I heard it both ways. Keep going. That's the end of chapter 29. So. We have another bedroom scene where, you know, uh, Ciri's actually starting to become attracted to her husband, and that's dangerous um, because she suspects that uh, once her once they produce an heir, then both of their lives are in peril. All right, and then red and green don't make violet. I think Vivenna was on the grass or something. And there was blood on it? Was it blood or something I thought, else? I thought you were talking right? about how Susabron sees things. No. Although, we do have a cool... Uh, well, since you mentioned it, Susabron is talking about how he finds Siri beautiful. And it's not necessarily because of her features, because the way he sees things, you know, every every feature of every visible thing is beautiful to him. And it's some other kind of... Uh, deeper attraction he has to her that he can't quite explain. I don't remember what was purple. Yeah, I have no idea what you're referring to. Unless you're talking about the, um, you know what, you could be even talking about the cloths they hang from the statues. 
No, I am talking about blood on grass. Okay. Okay. We cut to Vivenna and there they found four dead bodies and there was blood everywhere and it was in the grass and she's like, It makes kind of a violet and I'm like, Green and red don't make violet. They make like a brown or maybe like a dark yellow. They're not they're not violet. See, they don't know anything about colors in that there, Idris. Well, maybe they would if we had a whole bunch of breaths. But they don't. Maybe she knows more than we know. Mm, she hidden can colors, man. Hidden colors. Wow. Alright. Red and green. It made almost a violet in combination. Uh, whatever. Anyway. Uh... So apparently there's some dead people and their their wounds where they got cut, they're all black and like the colors faded from near their wounds. I think our good friend Nightblood has been here. And in fact, we uh, Vivi senses that somebody with a lot of breaths is watching her and we zoom out to Vasher and Nightblood. And uh, Vasher mentions the name... Varatrelides, which is apparently Denth's old name. He's like, ah, Varatrelides, or Denth, as he's called now. And that's an interesting name, and I'm wondering if he's any way related to the high priest of Susebrin, whose name is Trelides. But maybe not. Maybe it's just a common name. It's like Smith over there. Right. And then Nightblood's really excited, because maybe he'll get to see his mom, Shahara. That's the, the person who forged him to cut down the forces of evil. And Foster's like, we killed Shahara, remember? And then Nightblood's like, I can't wait to see Shahara again. What a that guy. Nightblood. <laughs> so good. Classic Nightblood, forgetting who he killed. And that's the end of chapter 29. Okay. Any questions? Nope. Chapter 30. So, Let's go. So I'll... Wait, wait. So all the dead people on the grass, that's that's what you drew, isn't it? That's the scene right there. This is, we we are led to believe that that is what happened off scene. I mean, that's how I pictured it. Uh, you know, I didn't even think to connect those two things. This was just comic that I drew. I bet you if they looked over to the tree, there's a squirrel eating his acorn. The lifeless squirrel is in uh, the palace, though, is in Light Song's. Well, yeah, now he's... Oh, yeah, I guess this could have happened. Why would he go back? Maybe he was just following orders. What if there's more than one lifeless squirrel? Another defenseless squirrel. Oh, yeah, it's true. The other lifeless squirrel is named Aloysius. This one's named Nutty. Whoa. (laughs) Conspiracy theories. squirrel. There was a second gunman, and there was another lifeless squirrel. All right, chapter 30. Let's go. Chapter 30. Light Song is ridiculously bad at Harry Pottery. Hope Aww. Finder. Is he talking about Var? Who is Blushweaver's contact? Blushweaver trades her vote for Hope Finder's lifeless commands. <gasps> Emoji. How long ago did Arsteel die? And did he know how to juggle? Alright, so chapter 30. Light Song is trying to figure out more about his past life. So he tries various things, such as juggling, which he's really good at, and pottery, which he's really bad at. And <laughs> Blushweaver comes in, and she's like, oh, it's time to go visit Hope Finder. And Hope Finder is, in appearance, like 12 or 13 years old boy. He was uh, 
returned for longer than light song but he died at a younger age so this is where we learn that the uh returned actually grow to physical maturity and whether it's because he's young or just smart he is uh he does not fall for blush weaver's seductions and so blush weaver is of course trying to get his lifeless commands and hope finder uh his his demand of blush weaver is her vote in the weekly trials and stuff uh he says because he's bored and he has nothing to do in time of peace but i wonder if he's actually going to somehow use this for influence for good and uh you know blush weaver's trying to convince him that oh we're going to war and hope finders like uh i don't know there's like rebellions all the time remember that guy that died in prison and so he's probably talking about var he was the leader of a revolution mysteriously died in prison i have no idea how that happened and we also are curious who is blush weaver's contact in the palace of the god king and i'm wondering too could it actually be high priest trelides himself hmm i don't know Maybe it is Trelides, and Trelides also turns out to be Denth. That would be pretty nuts. Wait, wait, Var. I wonder if Var. Oh, maybe Denth is Trelides' son, because in a lot of languages, people are named after their fathers in such a way. Like in Hebrew, you would be like Bar or something. Like Barnabas would be literally son of encouragement, or like uh, I think there's a Simon Bar Jonah who would be like his father's name was Jonah, so he'd be Bar Jonah. So maybe Vara Trelides is son of Trelides. Interesting. Anyway, that just came to me. And I have a guess that Light Song might actually be Arsteel. So Arsteel was obviously a talented swordsman. So that might make him pretty good at juggling. If he's a some kind of mercenary, he or knows like. We don't know about Denth's past either, so maybe they were actually on the side of law before Arsteel died and Denth became a mercenary. So I kind of wonder if maybe Arsteel could be Light Song. So I'm going to keep an eye out if we get any hints on how long ago Arsteel died. That's the end of Chapter 30. Okay, Chapter 30. And that's the end of this week's chapters. Indeed they are. Uh, So first, do you have any questions for us? I don't think so. Like really, you already figured out the squirrel theory, so we're we're pretty well set. All right. Uh, next up, who's your favorite character currently? Nightblood. Oh, is this a picture of Nightblood on uh, the Taiwanese cover? That's probably Nightblood. I bet you it is. All right. Whose chapters do you most enjoy reading at the moment? Uh, Light Song. Starting to be less corny and actually be kind of funny. And you know, as much as he jokes around. I think he is really trying to help out, but it's just his self-deprecation is really funny. And what do you think Light Song's uh, former life was? Arsteel, the detective or mercenary. <laughs> so still detective, though. The mercenary detective. Okay. So that, that would also be called a private eye. Yeah, or vigilante. Or okay. Detective Pikachu. The mercenary <laughs> detective. Oh, we can cast Ryan Reynolds Comics. as detective... Light squirrel. Oh, That's dude, Ryan Reynolds bad. could be the Ryan Reynolds could be the voice of the sword. Although I was thinking of casting someone else. No, we're casting Ryan Reynolds as Aloysius. This is happening. 
<laughs> I was actually thinking Ryan Reynolds would be a pretty good uh, return. Yeah, one of those that was playing hockey ball. With, they should all be Ryan yeah. Reynolds because they're all just palette swaps. <laughs> <laughs> On that front, uh, next recording is Castless. I have a few. I have down all the characters that I want to figure out and about half of them filled in. Okay. Um, that is not the next episode that's going to be released because we're doing a separate spoiler episode for this this full non-spoiler episode. Uh, but yeah, next time we all get together to record will be our cast list. So next week for us. Yay. And in two well, weeks for those of you listening at home. But before we get ahead of ourselves, I did have some questions for Dave. Okay. Uh, it was similar to your questions about favorite characters, but I'm sort of curious what you think of our secondary characters since we now have gotten to, since the last time I asked you this, we've gotten to know a bit more about um, the mercenaries that Vivenna is hanging out with. What do you think of them? They're interesting. Okay. Do you, do you I have... I don't necessarily trust them. Okay. I mean, they are mercenaries. Uh, you know what I hate about being a mercenary? That no one ever trusts you. No one ever trusts me. Uh, what do you think of Blushweaver? Eh. She's, she's eh, not my favorite. Alright. What do you think of Susabron? He's really cool. He seems pretty naive. Unless he's, like, super unnaive. You think he could be playing Siri? Yeah, probably not. I think that... I think that Siri isn't too far off and that the priests have some kind of ulterior motive to keep power. Uh, seems likely enough. But there's, I know there's going to be some sort of Brand Sanderson gotcha at some point, so just keeping my eyes open. Uh, my... Any, I know we haven't seen him in a while, but any thoughts on Bluefingers? Yeah, he seems legit. Okay. And also... I don't know. Bluefingers is actually kind of interesting. I don't really know why he's avoiding Siri unless he just wants to stay out of trouble and he knows that she's up to trouble. And uh, thoughts on Laramar? Um, yes. I feel like he knows Night, or he knows Light Song. Like, he knows who Light Song was in his past. So that's all I really have to say about him, I guess. And I think I have a pretty good person cast for him. Okay. Looking forward to that next week. And it's not Jeff Bridges. All right. That's, uh, I think that's all the questions I had. All right. Tori, you met, have anything? I haven't seen Hoyt yet. No, I don't have anything. Um, I'm waiting for the spoiler section so we can talk about this second squirrel fairy. Wait a minute. Okay. No wait a minute. Did you say railroad spikes? And Dave, to your sort of question, no, we have not seen Hoyt yet. All right. So shall we D Dave ourselves? Yes, yep. we should do that. Bye, Dave. Bye. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. All right. Um, I'm gonna stop the record. Good night, Internet. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at @CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is "Traveling Made Up Continents" by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.